Okay, so we were in Ephesians 4. We're doing a relationship series. Uh, what we've been looking at last week and this week is a setup for the rest of the chapter. And um, it's, it's not gonna look like we're actually focused on how to have right relationships in this section in Ephesians 4, but we have to have this. You know, what's in you is what comes out of you, okay? What you bring to a relationship uh, that's all you've got, right? So if you don't have the goods, if you don't have the ability to bring right things to your relationships, well then inevitably, inevitably there'll be dysfunction. So in the second half of Ephesians 4, you've got all of this instruction. There's all of these commands in terms of how Christians are to conduct themselves. Well, if you're not who God's called you to be, then you can't do what God's called you to do. So this is the being part. Does that make sense? Okay, so um, we keep, I keep having problems with the printers. Did everybody get a set of notes? Um, hopefully uh, it's online, it's on the YouTube link, it should be on the website. Uh, you can get the digital copy. If you want a hard copy, raise your hand and Connections will hook you up with a set of notes. And we'll just review very quickly, A, so that you can get your blanks if you've got a new set of notes but B, to remind you where we're coming from. Okay, so in Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 24, we saw that every member is functioning as a member, okay? And that's our job. So the, the danger, the warning, hey guys, uh, get them in the lobby. We've, we've got, we got one person saying that they need a handout. Uh, can, can we get somebody from Connections to come back in and, and hook us up? All right, says so keep Keep your hand up, we got a handout coming. Nope, nope, we don't have a handout coming. Oh, yep, we do, okay, there we go, all right. Okay, anybody else need a handout? Okay, so, from this point forward, it's too late. <laughs> Just take a photo of your neighbor's notes. Okay, so, um, you know, that, that's what we're supposed to do, then we're in this warning of don't get don't get distracted living like the lost world. And so we picked it up in verse 17 last time. This I, th this I say therefore, in light of verses seven through 16, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And so the first point for study was there's the danger of living a, a vain life. Uh, you can actually be so busy living a life full of empty pursuits the lost walk in the emptiness, in the vanity. I mean, they're, they're living so that their heart can discover itself. And you don't want to fall for that. If you're God's child, Philippians chapter two says that God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's children wanna please him. So don't live like the lost world. Don't walk like them. They're trying, to, they're, they're trying to discover their heart, right? Their heart wants to discover itself. They're trying to fulfill themselves. They're living according to their truth. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. And at the end of all of it, it's whatever makes them happy. Uh, it's vanity. And then verse 18, this is where we left off last time. They, they live, the lost live blind. Uh, they live clueless. They have no ability to understand truth. Verse 18 says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So the lost cannot understand. They can't even see. They can't comprehend the concept of living biblically for God. They don't, they, they, it doesn't make sense to them. They don't have the capacity to grasp it because they don't have the ability 
Uh, God's truth, this is, now we're, now we're covering new territory here in our notes. God's truth is hid to them. They can't see spiritual truth. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about the lost not even being able to understand the gospel. Verse three says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now the gospel's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty straightforward. We're all sinners. Our sin separates us from God. Here's the big, biggest problem for, you know, some people would be like, okay, so I'm separate from God. I'm, 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 if I've been that way my whole life, I'm kind of happy that way, that sounds good. No, no, no. <laughs> Moving forward into eternity future, the only place to be separate from God is in a cell, in an imprisonment, an eternal imprisonment called hell, right? The wages of sin is death, and death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. It's a big problem. Uh, so I've sinned. My sin separates me from God, but God loves me. He loves me so much that God the Son, right, takes all of my sin, the sin of humanity, to the cross of Calvary and satisfies the wrath of God the Father. He dies for my sin. He's buried. He rose again by his own power on the third day to everlasting life. My sin debt having been satisfied, having been paid for, and the, and the gift of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is this. I can now identify with Christ. I can now view him, I can now receive him, I can now call on him as my sin bearer. Uh, because he bore the penalty for my sin. I can believe on the finished work of Christ at Calvary to satisfy God's wrath over my wickedness. The Bible says whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord, they're, they're saved, right? They shall be saved. I mean, it's an incredible thing. Uh, if I, in repentance of sin, call on God in his mercy, in his love, God, forgive my sin. Come into my heart and life and save me. He'll do it. Okay, it's so simple, a child can understand it. But it's still, you have to have spiritual eyes to see it. Some people, they just can't understand it. I was telling somebody this story the other day. Uh, in the early days of MBT starting, we had a gal, her name was Mama Chris. She's about this, mm, she's about this tall. Mama Chris started coming when we had the Sunday night Bible study, the outreach service. And uh, I was talking to her, it was downstairs where, where, the, where the hallway is downstairs. Um, that's where we were holding the, the meetings and, and uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm really glad that you're here. Is everything making sense to you? And she says, well, you know, I'm sorry, but I actually don't understand a word you say. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Um, Mama Chris uh, had told Chris Miller, I'm so glad you guys are here. You know, what you're doing is amazing. Uh, if there's any way that I can help, just let me know. I can get you a good deal on drugs and on hookers. And she was sincere. Like she was gonna hook us up with drugs and hookers. And we're like, that's not what we're here for, Mama Chris. Um, we're here for the gospel. It's like, well, any way that I can help, okay? So that's like how far gone Mama Chris is. Is everything making sense to you, Mama Chris? No, I don't understand a word that you say. I handed her a gospel of John, and I said, I want you to read this every day. Well, is that the Bible? Yes, well, I, don't under I read the Bible, but I don't understand a word of it. I said, that's okay, D do you actually know how, like, can you read, are you literate? Oh, yeah, 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 I can read. I just don't understand the Bible. And so I told her, I said, I want you to read the Bible, I want you to read the gospel of John every day, I'm gonna pray for you every day, 
And what will happen is, you just keep coming every Sunday. You keep coming to this, you keep coming to this service. And what will happen is, is eventually God will open your eyes. Right now you just don't have the spiritual ability to understand. But what will happen is in a moment, you'll start reading and understanding. You'll start hearing and receiving what the gospel says. And about that time, somebody pushed me. I turn around and nobody's there. And I'm like, Mama Chris has got backup. And I thought, man, I'm doubling down. I just told her, I said, Mama Chris, you have to read this. I'm gonna be praying fervently for you. Okay. And she left and that was the last I ever saw her. I think she moved down to Oklahoma is what I'd heard. Um, So if any of you are saying, how do I get a hold of Mama Chris? No. No. Okay, but anyway. I mean, you know, blind, cannot see it. Spiritually, in the grip of the enemy, lost in sin, and don't have, and and I mean, simple truth, you know, you can be walking around in the dark, and all that stuff that's in there is there, but you'll run into it because there's not enough light for you to be able to perceive what is really true, and so you're stubbing your toes, and you can't figure out why nothing's going, turn on the light. So the God of this world blinds the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So that tells you right there, I mean, during this season of prayer and fasting, we need to be praying that the enemy would be bound from the lives of unbelievers, that God would shine the light, that he would open their eyes so that they can see the truth of the gospel. We need to be praying for God to do what only he can do to open the understanding, the minds of the lost, But it's still our job to prepare and then trust God to use us to turn that light on, to shine that light. First Peter chapter three verse 15 says we're to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. And here's the command, to be be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation, your good lifestyle in Christ, your obedience in Christ. Now, you gotta understand, okay, so you can prep and you can can preach the gospel. That doesn't mean everybody's still gonna receive it. You can pray for them, they have a free will. So get this down in your notes, verse 19. Understand that some will refuse to hear truth. They will refuse to see it. Verse 19 says, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. They're not in life for what God has to say, for what God's word holds and says over their life. Again, they're back in that camp where, where they're living, remember, in the, vanity, you know, in the vanity, the vain pursuits of life, in the vanity of their mind. Okay, so some are entrenched. They're gonna refuse to hear or see truth. In Romans chapter one, you've got people that got enough light to figure out God's for real, and they reject it. They get a little bit of light, and it's like a vampire, man. Uh, You know, they start hissing and spitting, and, and they just go back to the dark. When they knew God, in Romans 1.21, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like 
like to a corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to pursue the vanities of life. (laughs) These empty pursuits to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So God gives them up and people are like, why did God do that? Well, because you have a free will, right? The light shines and if you squint, turn away and run to the dark, well then that's your decision. Matthew 13, here's how the Lord describes it. He says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, Matthew 13, 14, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and watch this, and their eyes they have closed. (laughs) Some people, man, the truth is blaring light before them and instead of examining it, instead of seriously contending with it, interacting with it, people just close their eyes. They have closed their eyes, right? They, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart. Well, I want my heart to make me happy pursuing vain things. And if I have to, if I seriously consider the claims in the word of God, well that is going to make me uncomfortable. That's gonna demand me surrender and subordinate my life to Christ and I'm not ready to do that right now so I'm just gonna play dumb. I'm gonna close my eyes. So they have closed their eyes lest they should see, lest they should hear and then understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. So get this down in your notes, okay? Wrong thinking always leads to wrong behavior. People that are making a mess of their life with what they're doing, uh, they were messing up their heart and their mind long before it ever became evident on the outside. Wrong thinking always leads to wrong behavior. Again, the principle is what is in you is what's gonna come out of you. Uh, We deal with this in our counseling class in LFBI. Uh, a, a wrong thought life will produce in you wrong attitudes and those, those attitudes eventually will be manifest in your actions. You cannot conceal who you are in the core. And what is in you inevitably is what will come out of you. And if you are running from God, well then that will be manifest in your life. And so here it is, verse 18. They have the understanding, this is how the lost live. They don't understand. They're alienated from the life of God through ignorance because of the blindness of their hearts. So these darkened minds, these darkened hearts will then be manifest as darkened behavior. Verse verse 18 is the root cause of verse 19. Because now verse 19, they're past feeling, they've given themselves over unto lasciviousness. Lasciviousness, okay, that means licentious. You're like, that didn't help at all. Okay, well that means filthy wantonness. Are you tracking with me now? Filthy wantonness, it's a, it's a perverted sexual bent, sexual pursuit, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a partying, um, you know, it'd be like, a, it'd probably be like the lifestyle that, that, that Twisted Sister would have championed, or the Beastie Boys. Is everybody with me now? Uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Okay, so there it is. Uh, licentiousness, illicit, um, sexual bent, what to work all uncleanness with greediness. Okay, that describes our world today, doesn't it? Uh, Man, Babylon B, those guys are brilliant. 
So how, many, how many read the Babylon Bee? You, you guys know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've been missing out for the last several years, Google it. Uh, they had an article, I think it came out today, where they said, uh, uh, the, what is it called, the, the uh, tranny story hour and the, all these, um, what do they call it? Um, they got a tranny wanting to read to little kids in libraries. They got a, what do they call it, tranny story hour? Huh? What's it called? Drag queen story hour? Oh yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so drag queen story hour, they said uh, attendance went way down when they named it what it was, men who dress in lingerie want to spend time with your children at the library. I mean, you know, there it is. I mean, that's the world that we live in today. We talked about this on Sunday. The lost world wants your kids. It's that messed up. See, the lost live for self-fulfillment. They become greedy for filthy behavior. Why? Well, because they don't know what's right. I mean, if they actually legitimately knew what was right, that would impact, I mean, that would actually put a damper on the party, wouldn't it? I mean, they don't actually know what is right, so as a result, they don't want what is right. And so, of course, they don't live what's right. There's a phrase in Hosea chapter four and verse six where God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that's the thing, that's the problem today. Here, Paul, 2,000 years ago, he's warning the church Don't live like the lost world around you. They give themselves over, right? Their past feeling, they give themselves over to self-fulfillment, to whatever pleases self. He warned Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter four. He said, the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. They'll quit endeavoring in the word. They'll quit moving forward in faith and they'll start living like their, their lost neighbors, their lost friends from work. And they'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot, hot iron. Like they, they forget what's right. They can do what's wrong and their conscience won't even respond. Now what this looks like in the average church youth group today, I mean it just shows up everywhere, it's in the church. Titus chapter one, verse 15 says, unto the pure all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. So just think, you know, Beavis and Butthead, whatever somebody says, they turn it into something perverse, and then that's followed by, (laughs) because, you know, their mind and conscience is defiled. Remind me, Brandon, to, Remind, remind me to bring up Beavis and Butthead again tomorrow in the staff meeting. Don't let me forget. Okay, so anyway, sorry about that. Their mind and conscience is defiled. Look at this, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works deny him. This planet is full of people who call themselves Christians, but unabashedly live like hell. Uh, you see it all over the media. Somebody, somebody, somebody uh, scores a touchdown, glory to God, and then that night at the after party they get their girlfriend drunk and I mean it might as well be rape. It's horrible. In works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. See the lost, 
That's how the lost live. The lost live like, like a dog, right? They live like, I mean, of course. They're not worshiping the creator, they're worshiping the creature. So of course they're gonna live like a dog. Like any other dog, they're gonna, you know, what is a dog, a dog eats trash, a dog sniffing strange rear, trying to ride your leg, it's rolling in filth. That's what dogs do. I mean, I got a dog. We clean that, we clean that idiot up, right? I mean, he's not an idiot, he's pretty smart. He just loves poop. <laughs> Thank God he's small, he's easy to clean, but I mean, Earl, you clean him up, like you, you wash off his wallowing in the mire, and then if you don't watch him, he's outside. You know what he's doing? Dude, find, if he finds poop, he's rolling in it. And then he wants to come back into the house and then sleep in my bed. Uh, bro, no. You're not Amber Heard and I'm not Johnny Depp. It's not happening. <laughs> right? Like, and so his love of poop affects our fellowship. I mean, it does. He's like, and he's all, you know, he's all hiney hurt over the fact that I kick him out. I'm like, bro, you stink. You literally smell like a furry walking pile of poo and you want him, no, it's not happening. Get out. And then he's all mad and upset because we're not like this. Well, I, I don't want your poop on me. Is that like, is that rude? I, you know, I just have never understood it. I don't have time for this, but I'm just telling you. You see these people that let their dogs lick them. I mean, it's like my dog, Maggie, she's, uh, she is the, like she doesn't have to roll on poop. She's, the, she's literally, she stinks more than her all the time. <laughs> I, like, I wish she smelled like a dog. Okay, it's an abomination what Maggie smells like. And she wants to, she's full of, as stinky as she is, she's, she's that much and more loving. This is the most loving dog I have ever seen in my life. And all she wants to do with every fiber of her soul is just, you can see it, she's communicating with her body language. Let me love you, I just wanna love you. And the only way I know how to show it is by licking you. Why won't you let me lick you? And I'm like, no. You're not rubbing your toilet paper on me. Your used toilet paper. Anybody that would let their dog lick them in the mouth, I mean, that's their, they're licking you with their used toilet paper. I mean, what is wrong? Okay, that, function of, a, of this poopy lifestyle affects the fellowship. Is it, you see the picture, right? If Earl gets a bath and he's cleaned up and everything, he might actually get a night in the bed. Now he has to sleep on Cheryl's side, but you know, <laughs> like, like that will allow him to come closer, okay? That will improve the fellowship. So what, I mean, God's called you for more than lost living. How many know we don't need to live like the lost. We don't need, I mean, they're out there pursuing this vain lifestyle, this empty lifestyle, and they think it's gonna bring them, sati- I mean, they try and they try and they try, they can't get no satisfaction. It's vain, it's vanity. Okay, we don't need that in the church. The Lord Jesus died to what? He died to separate us from our sin to him. He died to separate us from a life of living like a dog to actually being in his room, man. I mean, it's a life of fellowship with him to set us apart to himself. That's why he set it up the way that he did. We need to learn what the Bible says. We need to learn what the word of God says so that we can live that. God designed it that way. And so what comes out 
of a biblical structure of edification, what we saw in verses, particularly in verses 14 through 16. What did we see in that? Well, we learned the word of God, we learn maturity in Christ so that we know how to live Christ. And so what comes out of our life is verses 20 through 24. It ought to be a holy walk. Verse 20 says, but ye have not so learned Christ. Remember, the edification of every member, that's why God designed the church in an Ephesians 4 structure. Every member is to, is to minister in edifying and building up the faith of every other member of the church, right? In Ephesians 4 through 13, we have pastors and teachers so that we can all be conformed to the image of Christ. What is that? We're learning Christ. So the lost world is pursuing empty pursuits, vain pursuits to fulfill themselves, right? For self-fulfillment, for pleasure, well, we didn't learn that. That's not, that's not what we learn in the word of God. It's to grow, it's to be mature, it's to be like Christ. God wants to take us from darkened minds and darkened hearts and darkened behavior to new ones, right? There ought to be a stark contrast of the old life, the old self to the new. And so that's the main question on the floor tonight. Does your life reflect that? Can you see your life before Christ living like a lost person in vain pursuits versus your life now in Christ? Do you see the contrast? Do you see the evidence of it in your thinking, your desire, your will? And then, of course, what's in you comes out of you. Do you see it in your behavior? Or are you like, you know, the typical sports hero, you know, pointing Jesus and and thanking God, but then living like every other lost person in the after party? James said in James chapter two, verse 18, I'll show you my faith by my works. Okay, so what does it look like? Verses 20 through 24, that's what our lives should look like. So here it is. You've not so learned Christ, if so be that you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former lifestyle, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. But you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now we're gonna look at this again next time, but this is the key to living our life in Christ. We're to put off the old man, his desires. They're corrupt according to deceitful lust. That's why he's living the way that he's living. It's because he wants what he wants. He doesn't want what God wants over his life. He wants what he wants over his life. He's denying the creator. He's worshiping the creature. That's why he's licentious, right? That's why he's lascivious in his pursuits. So you have to put off the old man and his desires and put on the new. Again, every Christian ought to know Romans chapters six through eight like the back of your hand. Uh, that's, the, that's the key to victorious Christian living. We need to, like Romans six says, reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why, verse 12, we don't let sin reign in our mortal body. We have to deny it, we have to mortify it, we have to put it to death. And the function that enables that, right? We put off the old man, we have to put on the new. Remember we used the illustration a few weeks back about people who quit smoking. Uh, The ones before all of the modern scientific gadgets and, and schemes came along, what people used to do, instead of picking up a cigarette, they would pick up a spoon. And the people who actually kicked smoking put on 30 pounds. Right, what are they doing? They're putting off one thing and they're putting on another thing. And that's a good illustration 
right? If I, if, you know, I can't just put off the old man. I need to be clothed upon. So I need to make my focus putting on the new man. That's the key. I need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the story of Lazarus. He's been dead. He's been lying in the grave. And the instruction that Jesus gave after he commanded Lazarus to come forth, you remember what he told uh, concerning Lazarus? And this applies to every believer. He said, loose him, right? Take off the grave clothes. Loose him and let him go. You can't live the new life in Christ in the clothing, in the, in the, in, in the bondage of death. You can't do it, right? You have to be loosed from your grave clothes. It's not enough just to die to the old life. There has to be that resurrection and living in the new, right? The manifestation of the new life. So we put off those grave clothes of the old life and we put on the reality of God's word in the new life. You know, we're part of God's new creation according to Ephesians chapter four, verse 24. Uh, You see it back in Chapter two and verse 10, we're his workmanship, created unto good works, and so we're to walk in newness of life. Okay, so the practical ways to win this battle, because um, the flesh wants, I mean, well, let's see, I'm 54. I gave my life to Christ when I was 12. I've been saved for a long time. Uh, my flesh still stinks, man and it only wants what it wants, the way it wants it, when it wants it, how it wants it. Like that has never changed. Like my flesh has never gotten better since I've been saved. I'm not expecting it to ever get any better. It's utterly corrupt, that's all it ever has been, that's all it ever will be. Okay, so how do I walk in victory? How do I victoriously put off the old man and put on the new? How do I do this? You know, it's back in, um, what was it, what verse, uh, um, yeah, Ephesians 4, look at verse 23 again. It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the next chapter, he's gonna say, uh, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Put off the old man, right? The old man wants to get lit, <laughs> have a good time, doesn't he? Well, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. What do you do? Put off the old man. How do we put on the new? Be what? Be filled with the Spirit. And if you've been around any amount of time, well, how do you get filled with the Spirit? Well, the clue is in the cross-references. You compare Scripture with Scripture, and you find out Paul said the exact same thing to the church in Colossae. And he told them the exact same thing. And instead of saying be filled with the Spirit, he said let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly and what will come out of you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and then what? Oh yeah, then you'll be speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. That's the same result as being filled with the Spirit. So as you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, what are you doing? You're putting on the new man. You're being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12 says, we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, here it is again, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the first thing we have to do, okay, I, there's no way around this. You know, I'm tired of every time I turn around, it's like I just love the lost world. I love partying, I love 
living lost. And I know it's not right. I wanna, I wanna do what's right. Okay, that will never change if you don't start feasting on the word of God, right? You can't just put down the cigarette. You gotta pick up the fork. You have to start feasting on the word of God. The word of God is alive, okay? And so if you get that in you, that's what, it, it'll, it'll take root in your heart. It'll take root in your ears. It'll take root in your eyes. It'll take root in your mind. It'll start bearing fruit. So you gotta get the word in you and then that's what will come out of you. There's no way around it. It's a heart, if that does not happen, well then, there's no God, okay? It is, a, I've said this to you before, this, is, this book is like no other book, man. I mean, you're reading it and it's reading you, and you're taking it into your mind, and it's coming in and it's just taking over. It is the mind of Christ. It's the word of the very creator. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. The word is Christ. I mean, like, if you take the Bible seriously and you study the word of God, you take it in. You say, well, I, man, I read the Bible and I just fall asleep. Okay, Mama Chris, let me tell you what. You keep reading the Bible. If you can't get anything out of the Bible, then I'm begging you, start in the Gospel of John and read it every day. You say, well, it's only got a few chapters. You know, what do I do? I won't, if I read a chapter a day, I won't even make out the month. No, 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 don't read it that way. Just read the Gospel of John. And when you get to the end, start over and start reading it again. I don't even know who you are. I'm gonna pray for you. But get a few other people in the church to pray for you. And here's how we wanna pray. I want God's word to speak to me. I want God's word to open my eyes and open my ears. I wanna hear God's truth. Be legit, be honest, be sincere. God, I want you to speak to me. And then don't put pressure on yourself, just read it. Read it prayerfully. God, I wanna hear from you. What's your word saying? Man, you will not make it a month. It will start speaking to you. You'll start hearing from the word. And it'll change your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll absolutely change who you are. Start just taking it in. Start, let it taking, start letting it take root in your heart and life. Start letting it grow, right? Start letting it multiply in you. Start letting it bear fruit, and it will. It'll change everything. We're to be transformed. We don't wanna be conformed to this world who lives for vain pursuits. We wanna be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I wanna get the word in me so that, that it will come out of me. And it's gonna be a battle, okay? I'll just give you another cross reference. For some of you, when you start to do this, it will be on like Donkey Kong. You'll have a, there'll be a war for your mind. It'll be a war for your thought life. And every time you go to the Bible, like your flesh will get bizarre. It'll like, it'll start bucking, okay? And you'll think some of the most horrible things, uh, the most perverse things, the most creepy things, like your flesh is gonna fight against this. Well, keep getting the word in you because that's the way you're gonna, that's the way you're gonna see your mind stayed or trained on Christ. Second Corinthians 10, three says, we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Well, the weapons are, are warfare, not carnal. I can't will myself into a right relationship, into victorious Christian living. But they're mighty through God through, to the pulling down of strongholds. And here's how it works. Casting down imaginations and every high thing 
that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So as you're seeking to learn the word of God, your mind is gonna wanna run. It's gonna wanna run away. What's gonna happen? You're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna um, um, close your eyes, the eyes of your mind, right? And then God will let you do that, which is scary, okay? So, so what you have to do is when those thoughts come, when, you're, when your fleshly mind starts rebelling against you knowing and growing in the word of God, you wanna take every imagination, every thought, everything that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God, and then you bring it into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, I'm thinking this, but the Bible says that. Okay, that's wrong, God's right. So I know I'm thinking that, I know I'm even feeling that, but I'm agreeing with your word, God, that that's sin. I'm renouncing that for what it is, that's sin. And so God, help me, by your grace, I'm going to bring that thought into captivity. I'm feeling like, whatever it is, I'm feeling like I need to walk in and tell off my husband because he forgot whatever it was I expected him to do. No, that's not what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna reverence him. And instead of, instead of, right, instead of attacking my mate, I'm actually just gonna go be the person that you called me to be in his life. Uh, I'm feeling one way, but your word says, here's, here's another way to live, and so I'm gonna choose that. I'm gonna bring that into captivity. And that'll be the key to your prayer life. That'll be the key to changing your attitudes, and then that will come out in your actions. Verse six says, you'll revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Get in the habit of focusing on what God's word says. Philippians 4 says what we're supposed to think about. Verse eight says, Philippians 4, verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, I can't help it. I mean, these corrupt thoughts keep coming into my life. Keep changing your mind. (laughs) Uh, I've told... Um, you guys, this story is a, is a while back. When I was a young man, just right after I gave my life to Christ, I had a, um, a season where I was thinking, um, this is common with little kids, I was, it was like something was shouting curse words in my mind, is what it felt like, and I couldn't quit thinking about it. I just couldn't stop. And it's just shouting curse words in my mind, and, and now all of a sudden I'm obsessing about it, and like I'm learning in my mind now how to like somebody's tutoring me and how to curse like a sailor. And uh, this is probably my, my father was a sailor. That's probably where I got my start. But um, it, it, it was freaking me out and I couldn't, I'm obsessing about it and I can't stop thinking about it. And I went to my mom and I'm like, here's what's happening. I'm crying a little bit. Um, what do I do? I think I'm going crazy. And she's like, no, here's what you do. Every time you start thinking about that, Uh, recite one of your memory verses. Just focus on reciting one of your memory verses or sing one of the songs from church. Just focus on that every time. Well, you know, if I do that, I'll start. No, every time you start thinking (laughs) corruption, you make the decision, you're gonna start thinking the word of God, you're gonna start thinking praise to God. And eventually, uh, whatever's causing it, whether it's the way you're thinking or Satan trying to put something in your heart, in your heart uh, it'll leave off. You'll win. Man, by the end of the day, a little kid had victory. 
right? By the end of the day, just choosing what I'm gonna stay my mind on, God has so gifted you with the ability, the, 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 the fundamental ability to just reckon what is true. Yeah, but I feel this way. Yeah, but that's a lie against God and the word of God. Decide you're gonna agree with God over what his word says, over what is true. Brothers and sisters, is this making sense? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, you made us to live for you. And so, Lord, you taught us, right? Your grace over our life, the grace of salvation, teaches us that we're to deny, to deny worldly lusts, and that we're to live Christ. And so, God, I pray that we'd be a people who would not forsake the opportunities to come together to provoke one another in this, to provoke one another to love and to good works and to build one another up in our faith. God, help us to never lose sight of that. Lord, we need what is in us to come out of us for your glory. And this whole rest of the chapter, there's just so many keys for right relationships, but all of it will be an exercise in the power of the flesh to try to do something that we just can't sustain. Uh, We need to be conformed to the image of Christ so that the life of Christ is what will come out of us. And so, Lord, I pray for victory for brothers and sisters, people who look at, they look at, uh, you know, that maybe strive for conflict in their life and, and problems in their life. Uh, that they're having themselves or with other people and, and then they know what the Bible says about that problem, about that point of conflict and, and then they make excuses for it and they're willfully turning from the light and they're turning to darkness and, and, they're, and they're closing the eyes of their mind and heart so that they can't see truth and Lord, I just beg that, that we be done with excuses and that our that the attitude of our heart would be, I'm done playing, so help me God by your grace, what your word says, I believe on it, I wanna follow it, I'm gonna move forward in faith for your glory, and so, so God, by your grace, I will live Christ. Lord, would you bless their time of getting to know you and learning of you and your word. Would you bless their time in prayer Lord, help them to pray prayers of faith, not prayers of, of just feeling where they, they don't feel like they're connecting with you. Lord, your word says you hear and answer prayer. Let their prayer times be rich times. Lord, let their times of praise and worship be times of closeness with you, times of thanksgiving, times of gratefulness. Lord, would you help us? Would you, would you draw us for Christ's sake? and for Christ's glory, and for your name. We pray all in Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.